Welcome to the business of being black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. The arrival of white homeowners, trendy coffee shops and luxury condos in black neighborhoods that have always been neglected and overlooked is drawing concerns for many longtime residents. Well, there's an old saying, once wealthy white folks move in, poor black people are forced to move out. But is that true? Does gentrification really do a disservice to the black community or are there benefits in it that black people fail to see? The business of being black today is the good and bad of gentrification. Please welcome Academy Award nominated actress, executive producer, and better known to us all as Suge Avery, the Margaret Avery. Hi. Hi there, good to be here. And I love the topic, thank you. Thank you. Content creator and real estate agent, Michael Daniels is with us. Hi, Michael. How you doing? Pleasure, pleasure's on mine. I appreciate being here. Thank you very much. Black Division Productions video editor and producer Mufasa Shabazz. Hi, Mufasa. Hello. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me on today. You're welcome. And the founder of Crenshaw Subway Coalition and board member of Downtown Crenshaw Rising, Damian Goodman. Hi, Damian. Welcome back. It's always good to be with you, Tammy. Looking forward to the conversation. The first question I ask on each and every business of being black is why should black people care? We got to know why it matters to us, right? If black lives matter, why do these issues matter? Michael, why should black people care about gentrification? Well, the thing is, is I, I, there are great benefits to gentrification, but I just want to make myself clear. I am in no way uh, for the displacement of long-term residents where they have no place to go. So I just want to make that clear from the jump. Uh, gentrification can benefit neighborhood residents by lowering poverty rates and exposing residents to more opportunity. Um, second thing is that residents are exposed to low, less violent crime rates. So if there's a public housing that's near a gentrifying neighborhood, uh, there are less violent crime in that neighborhood typically, right? So they have higher incomes, they have greater access to services, uh, racial diversity, um, and then actually, you know, there could be benefits to gentrification, but only if long-term residents don't, are not pushed out. So Mufasa, why should Black people care about gentrification? Is it something I should care about in Black? Yeah, I think you should care because um, when you're having these changes, right, and where people are living, um, different places they're going, um, as people are moved to these different places, there's opportunities to welcome these people, business opportunities, right? For the places that people are coming to that they don't know of and the places that people are going to that they don't know of. So I think um, you should care because there's opportunities if you're familiar with the location to help assist people get there and help people to get to the next place that they are um, and understand the businesses. Um, uh, you have an, an entire area even if you're not in that area, there may be businesses that were in the previous area that you can service for the people who go to the new area. So you should be looking at how you can benefit and take advantage of this, uh, this movement. Um, I think that's why they should care. I had a Diana Ross mahogany moment there. You like, you got to know where you're going to. I was like, Oh, do you know? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Margaret, why should black people care about gentrification? Miss Avery? Because usually black people, we're the ones that are affected, or low income people. And the idea of gentrification, if it was to benefit the people who are there, uh, if that was the motivation, uh, I think it would be wonderful. But the motivation usually is greed. Somebody's making money by pushing people out. America was founded with uh, pushing people off their land, the Indians and uh, uh, the gentrification to me is no different. When I was in Harlem about 30, maybe 35 years ago, those brownstone buildings that were dilapidated, uh, black people of Harlem wanted to buy in those buildings. They wanted, but they couldn't get loans. But the people with the, the money were able to get loans. And when you look at Harlem today, it's totally different. Yes, aesthetically, it looks wonderful, but all the culture, most of it has changed because as people move in to a culturally already set neighborhood, the, the, 
those people who live there are pushed out and the businesses that were there are not catered to as much. So they lose. Yeah, it's why my understanding have, why, that. Uh, why push them out? Why not help them, give them loans to do what they would like to do? I yeah, that's all. That's a that's a whole. Yeah, that will definitely circle back to that because it, also, it is it also interesting that political it changes the political dynamic. And we'll that. get we'll get back to that. Um, it, I and, mean, even Bill Clinton lives in Harlem now, right? So that's definitely a sign that something's happening that has never happened in Harlem before. But we definitely want to talk about uh, the political aspects of that as well. Damien, why should black people care about gentrification? Well, let me just first off start and saying anytime I can be on the same side as Miss Avery and have her as an ally, I'm feeling good about Monday. This is a, a great Tuesday. Um, but I think, you know, people get caught up in this polysyllabic word and they don't understand that it has a specific definition. Gentrification is displacement. Gentrification is Black culture erasure of our urban cities, be they New York or Detroit or Los Angeles, which are all in very different circumstances economically. And it's really an extension of this colonizer's project since we were stolen from our native land and brought to this stolen land in its form of colonization, in the form of Indian removal, in the form of urban renewal, which James Baldwin famously called Negro removal. And so the current process is one whereby substantial amounts of equity, um, private equity firms, which have in the trillions of dollars, I did not misspeak, are in the process of seeking to capture historically depressed land values and historically low rents in our community because there is a, what I like to call a great white return occurring. People who used to drive through my Crenshaw community with with their windows rolled up at 50 miles per hour, are now walking their dogs and pushing strollers. That's a product of many racist actions, including hyper-policing uh, that we saw most vividly in the- I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, Damien, but I do wanna know why should black people care about that? It's the erasure of our communities, the space that we've called our home, the places that we have invested in with time, treasure and talent for generations. We've been pushed around and pushed out since the moment we were brought here. And now we have created something. We've created an opportunity to be have safer spaces. I won't say safe spaces, but safer places in this American experiment. And now those are being are at risk of being lost. And so we should absolutely care if we care for there to be a black culture, if we care to not be relegated to suburban and rural poverty to, to what I like to call in L.A., our reservations, desert lands that are not really anticipated, were never really built for Black people to live on, really any person to live on, and especially not now in a context of climate catastrophe. Mufasa, is Damien right? Is that the definition of gentrification? What is gentrification? Well, I, I have the same um, understanding of what gentrification is. Uh, I don't know if Damien is right, though. I don't think Damien's right, because the the, the what culture comes from the person. So just because we move, it doesn't mean that we lose our culture. I don't see how you erase your culture by moving. Uh, but like by that logic, right? We created a, a strong culture that we still root in today on slave plantations. Uh, when they passed the 13th Amendment, should we have stayed because we wanted to maintain our culture? You can move and maintain your culture and expand on your culture and build on it. So I don't, I don't think we have to stick in a place or else our culture is being erased. I don't agree with that. Michael? Well, uh, one thing I want to I make a point of, of saying that Black and brown people can benefit from gentrification by having access or being firstly considered for home ownership. Uh, to go back to Ms. Avery's point about Harlem uh, many years ago, I, I, have a I will give you an example. A Black female friend, we went to Howard, and after Howard, she moved to Harlem, 24 years old, low income. She was able to take advantage of... Um, the community and housing uh, development in Harlem partnered with Chase Bank to basically allow the local residents to be able to afford home ownership in Harlem. Now, yeah, then that's that's definitely a solution for that. And then and black and brown people can benefit from that. But, but most people can't get those loans. They exactly. don't make it a fair, they don't make it a fair uh game for getting the loan. She's she's coming from the bank people, they look at your education, they look at what your 
what your income is. And at that time, when I was in Harlem, they were just offering the conventional loans. Um, yeah, she, she and, was a- and, and no one who's lived in their neighborhood for 40 years should be forced to move. And, I and think that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, can I take mean- your culture with you, but your culture, it may not be supported somewhere else. How are you living in a place for four? Go ahead, go ahead. Factual here. Like, I, I live in the Lemur Park community in the Crenshaw district where 20 years ago, the homes were selling in the high 200s to low $300,000. Good luck finding a fixer upper for a million dollars. We're talking about mortgages that are three and four times what the black professionals that moved into Crenshaw long time ago are paying. And so this illusion that there is this just great migration of young black professionals that can suddenly afford these housing prices. My response to that is do not believe your lying eyes is what we're being told. If that were the case, they would be able to buy grandmama's house and the other homes. They're not able to qualify. And the history, the history of racist practices by banks for black people who have the exact same income and the exact same credit score of being denied refis in first home loans is well documented. The history of black homes being appraised at less value. We operate within a racist real estate environment and gentrification is simply its latest expression. Hold that thought. We are coming right back. We've got to take a quick commercial break. And I want to get into that forced out. I want to talk more about that. We'll be back on Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. To Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack. And the Business of Being Black today is gentrification. It's happening all over the United States. Ms. Avery says, listen, this is no different Then when American uh, colonizers came in and took the Indians land, uh, is that so Mufasa? Um, You know, I I do see it as different because there's a difference between me um, removing you from your land by either taking your life or forcibly removing you or you being uh, a second ago, she mentioned that people are somewhere for 40 years and then they get displaced. How have you been in the same spot for 40 years and you don't own your home? I, I don't like what? Are, what are we doing here? Now, surely, as black people, Mufasa, surely as black people, Mufasa, surely as black people, Mufasa, we can answer that question, are we, right? Are we blaming oh, black God. people for not having access to loans from racist banks? Is that what we're doing right now? Let's be clear: in the Crenshaw community, which is home to the number one and number two richest black community in the United States, in the form of U Park and Baldwin Hills, but it's also home to abject poverty, which is a product. This racial and excuse me, this economic diversity is a product of redlining where people of various incomes have congregated. Oh, that thought, Damien. I want Mufasa to uh, respond to that. Okay, now, if we want to go back very, very far to where you didn't even have a chance to get a loan, Um, if we're going back to like Jim Crow, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about right now, if you are going to be in a place for 40 years. But Mufasa, respectfully, Mufasa, if you're talking about 40 years, we have to go back to there, don't we? No, 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 we do. We do. But when we talk about it today, right, if we talk about it today, you're going to have a home, right? You should have already had it. We've been out of Jim Crow for, since um, about the 60s, 70s, right? So what have you been doing since then? How are well, you in your house that long? About, I, don't, I think it's the whole thing is economics. All right, let's just use me as an example. I've been in my home 51 years, but I still work. Uh, many people have stopped working. They're retired. The property values continue to go up, but... The cost of living is up. Their, their, their income is almost, it, it's not compared to what's going up. I just worked on my house last week. What I used to do, get put out for maintenance for a gallon of uh, uh, whatever it is that I use to, to refurbish my wooden uh, decks, it used to be $25 a gallon. I went to Home Depot. You know how much it is now? $78 a gallon. I needed six gallons to just begin with. I used to be able to get workers, or most of the time I did the work myself. I've always liked to have curb approval and, and, and pride of ownership, but I can no longer do the physical work that this, this home that I live in requires. But because I continue to work, I can still pay the taxes that keep going up. It's not helping me. 
for uh, money-wise, but my I still got to pay my taxes. Some of the people can't pay their taxes. I, the, the guys that I used to have to help me work doing the things that I that I it certainly it, it certainly yeah. has right. become an expensive uh people, an people expensive want, world people, and you can't and it is very difficult their, to afford home ownership today and when we talk about the kids who are in college we're talking about kids who leave college with tons of debt i mean this is one of joe biden's um issues that he ran on clearing college debt because let's face it most people who go to college can't afford uh, the 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 price tag that comes with it michael i see you trying to get in here let's go yeah, i just i just want to say that maybe the I know that gentrification is the topic, but this, this issue is bigger than gentrification at this point. Right now, in New York City, and I can see it because I, I deal with it every day firsthand. Right now in New York City, there's the widening of the wealth gap, right? So basically, this whole point of gentrification, yes, it's a big topic in our community. But right now, it's all about taking out the middle class. So it's, it's not just gentrification. Listen, $4,000 a month for rent or $5,000 a month for rent in Manhattan. And then there's an inappropriate amount of shelters going up. So I have to service shelter clients with vouchers because what's happening to the people in the middle? So yeah, we are inherently affected minorities, but now it's starting to affect everyone. This is bigger than gentrification at this point. So yeah, Ms. Avery is talking about inflation. Uh, she's talking about, you know, that's what she's talking about. That's affecting all of us. There's a bigger problem at stake here. And that's okay. something that we should talk about, and that's something that we should address. So and it's still and it's still laced with greed because gentrification, we wouldn't have it if it wasn't the fact that people are making money, they're making profits off pushing people out. The little but guy. you know what though, I mean, well, people are making money. We should join them. But the local politicians, no, we shouldn't join them in. We shouldn't join them in trying to displace our community. If, if you can't <laughs> afford things, you got to make more money. So, but the, the solution could be we could keep. We could keep the neighborhoods looking good if if, if under community these people owners. could qualify for the but, loans, but the banks but about, won't let them. What about them. revitalization? I would prefer so, to. Work. I, I'd like to ask this question. I want to pose a question here, Damien. Um, when we talk about gentrification, we oftentimes use the word "forced out." I mean, is there a such thing as being forced out? And I always have a problem with the fact that these white people come in and make the neighborhood beautiful. And I wonder why can't black people make the neighborhood look but beautiful? Why is it that black people, when black people live there, there's a lower, uh, there's, there's a lower property value. There is a higher crime rate. And there is also, um, you know, the neighborhood doesn't look as beautiful as when white people move in. So why is it that white people can do it and black people can't? Money, money, money. I thought the question was directed to me. Let me let me try to jump in here. Okay. The first is that it's not white people making the area better. It's often the public and the private sector who are making the investments in communities. And often they only make these investments when they see that it is quote unquote up and coming. That is to say, white people are coming in and black and brown and lower income people are being pushed out. That's the first. The second, in the South LA community, which is home to lots of low income homeowners, you will notice a very stark difference between our commercial corridors, which are owned by absentee landlords, often not black people, and our homes that are owned by often low income black people, pride in ownership, taking care of your lawn. And so the reality is most of the housing, and this is what I was trying to get to before, most of the housing in Los Angeles, in New York, and many other cities are occupied by Black people who do not own their housing. Over two-thirds of the Black people in the city of Los Angeles are renters. The remaining third of homeowners, even in this community, are what are known as rent, or excuse me, mortgage burden, meaning they're spending over 30 to 50% of their income maintaining their house. And so we don't have to go all the way back 40 years, even though we can, we can just look in the context of the last couple decades. The massive foreclosure crisis was a distinctly black crisis that led to that evisceration of black wealth that Michael made reference to, that has not, that the black people throughout the nation have not recovered with home ownership rates. We again need to recognize the gentrification is a spatial is a spatial expression expression of racialized economic inequality and that the solution is not to seek to cash in or be okay with our neighbors being pushed out 
is to be engaged in real community liberation, real community collective ownership of land for the purpose of creating community, for the purpose of maintaining space, for the purpose of saying that every person, regardless of whether you're an affluent homeowner at the top of the hill or a Section 8 tenant at the bottom of the hill, deserves to have a home in the Black community they but, have created. Michael. Uh, but Tammy. Okay, go ahead, Mufasa. Yeah, Let me get Mufasa in. No, no, I was gonna, I, Hold that thought. Yeah. Let me get Mufasa in. Go ahead. I was going to say, the reason that this happens is because in our community, we listen to people like Damien and they use a bunch of words and make it seem like this big thing. And they say it's <laughs> yeah, the white man and words. it's gentrification, all these long words. And at the end of the day, you can't afford it. If this community is important to you, you should be buying the homes in the community and coming together to buy the homes, right? You could have a five bedroom home. Um, maybe you can't afford it, you and your wife alone, but maybe a few of you, maybe you get the homes that are duplexes. Maybe a few families get into a place, build something in the back. Find a way to I come just can't, together I can't and get it. Making this seem like this is an absence of black effort. We cannot do that to ourselves. Oh, okay, but that's not, not something we do. We want to live like the Cosby show. We want to be black people. most black people are in homes, brother, with multiple families within them just to take care of the rent as it is right now. Most black people will bring someone into their garage so that they can keep their home from their family home from being lost. This is how black people are dealing with being black. If you do that for 40 years, there's no way you're not going to own your home. Hold that thought. I got to take a quick commercial break on business of being black with Tammy Mack. Thank you for the heat, y'all. Y'all bringing the smoke. Welcome back to the business of being black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack and the business of being black today is the good and bad of gentrification. Please welcome Academy Award nominated actress and executive producer and better known to us all as Suge Avery, the Margaret Avery. Content creator and real estate agent Michael Daniels is on board with us. Black Division Productions video editor and producer Mufasa Shabazz and the founder of Crenshaw Subway Coalition and board member of Downtown Crenshaw Rising, Damian Goodman is here with us as well. Mufasa, go for it. You say uh, black people shouldn't be in no homes for 40, 50 years. Why don't you own it? What is the deal? Right. Yeah, no, exactly. That's my point. My point is that when we focus on is the system doing this, is this everything doing that? You don't take account to the fact that maybe we should make a plan for ourselves. Right. Uh, um, He mentioned earlier, uh, Damien had mentioned, hey, let's have community control. There's nothing saying that a group of us can't come together and buy these homes. There's no laws stating that you can't do that as a collective. You could get together, form an entity, and buy a home. Not, nothing stopping that. But if you focus on the white man, we won't do that. Well, that's, you know that's, that's what I can do. I say I this mean, let me, let me get Michael Actually, in here. Michael. Damien and Avery spoke, and I just want to be able to say that I agree with Mufasa. This whole victim mentality, we have to, I get what Damien is saying, obviously. When, you know, I'm, we're all educated here on this panel. We know what the issues are, right? The thing is that, what are the solutions? You need to think about the solutions at this point because the victim mentality is not serving as well, right? So at the end of the day, I wanted to know, there are so many of us athletes, entertainers with affluent. Listen, I look at, I deal with homeowners and buyers all day. And I see the Chinese, they come in, they buy up, they're buying up Brooklyn and how they do that. And then the thing is, is that they come together in these groups, they form an LLC, and I'm like, how are they coming with this cash? And I've been, I've been studying it for years and years. And I'm like, you know what? They come together, they form up a, a, a company. And then by them coming together and coming up with a plan or strategy, they have spent $6.1 billion in American property and land and homes in 2021. We, yes, we've been here for 400 years. But we had it at one point. We had Black Wall Street. We had Seneca Village. What? How can we get back to that is what we need to talk about without saying the white man. So um, this is a good point. This is a great point, Michael. I want to pose it to to Miss Avery here. So um, this is a very good point when we talk about um, home ownership and Blacks playing the victim. So why do Blacks play the victim? I'm going to assume that everyone on this call owns a home and we're not, you know, so how is it that some people can do it and some Black people can't? And my next question is, listen, 
When we talk about 40, 50, 60 years ago, my grandmother owned three or four homes. My great grandmother owned three or four homes. All that was generational wealth that was passed down and became heir property. A lot of times what happens in the black community is there's somebody who's unwilling to pay the taxes on that property and therefore the family has to sell that property off. How do we speak to that? Uh, victim mentality that black people hold and how they don't hold on to property that they've been given. Well, you know, a hundred, like 80 or 70 years ago, a black Wall Street or Seneca village, or there was a different time, right? They had the only, the only difference is that they built up these communities and they've been burned down. Right. Yeah, they were forcibly removed. I think that's somewhat relevant. They were burned down in their in their. That is relevant. But I'm not. But But I want to, Michael. Hold on. I want to. I want to stick to the question that I posed uh, to to Miss Avery and to Damien. Uh, how do black people play the victim mentality when there have there have been times when they have been passed down property only to sell it off, Miss Avery? Well, I have to say. You know, ignorance is a big thing. You're not, if you're not aware of what's going on, I mean, you may have the property, but you've got to know about the, there, there are always legal ways of holding on to property. Uh, I mean, why is it that the little guy always goes to jail, but not the guy, the, he, he's, he, he steals maybe like, a cigarette carton of cigarettes and goes to jail, but the guy who, who swindled millions never goes to jail. That still comes on knowledge and economics. If you've got money, there's a lot of things you can do. Now, why, if I've been in my home 51 years, why do I have to now try to find some organization to, to start buying a property? I've been paying property taxes and, and all kinds of California taxes for all these years. I've, I've never been in jail. I've been a good citizen. I've always voted. I love my community. Why do I have to be forced out now? Because somebody now can, can pay my taxes or, or do the other things to upgrade if I get my ass, if I get my behind out. So I'm just saying that it's not, our institutions are such built on greed. They're not, they're not there to try to help the people who are there. And when, when people move out, are forced to move out, a lot of times who, these people who find these neighborhoods, these deprived neighborhoods called bird dogs, I understand, they don't, they're not offering the value of that property. And if you're uneducated and don't know about how to find out what that value is, you wind up getting not the value and trying to go someplace else and maybe not being able to, to replace unless you move to another I, state. I want to get Damien in on this. If you, if, I mean, if you leave California, you ain't get, you can't come back. <laughs> that, this is true. This it. is true. California is definitely an exception to affordability. Uh, and no and, doubt. Who, and um, whoever but, was that said about generational uh, wealth. That, yes, that you was lose me. that once you have to leave your house because you couldn't afford to pay the taxes. So, Damien, I want you to speak on it. Um, you know, why is it that there have there's been properties passed down to black people and the family can't get together, as Mufasa suggests, and 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 maintain that property? Why is it that we play the victim and act like, oh, we can't get a loan for a home. So, you know, the white man. Why? Why is that? Because there has to be some truth to what Mufasa says. Just it in just just assuming that Mufasa owns his home, you own your home, Michael owns his home there and there are black homeowners that exist. So there has to be some truth to what Mufasa is saying, right? I want Damien to get in on this, Miss Avery. Damien. Let me first say that I'm a renter. And one of the reasons why I'm a renter is because in my late 30s, during my prime production years, 
that I was a, I had an autoimmune disease that had me hospitalized three different times. So regardless of how many polysyllabic words I can drop right now, I've had economic uncertainty in my life as others have. As many experienced during the foreclosure crisis of 2008, where those family homes were lost. I also got to lift up that again, I cannot overstate this, the vast majority of Black people in communities like Crenshaw and communities like Harlem are not homeowners. They've been historically denied homeownership. And one of the things we do in our education, our community education program, is get people to understand the historical context. There's an amazing book called Race for Profit by a sister who's a Princeton professor, but a, a really an amazing sister who calls this term predatory inclusion. That is the process of making Black people homeowners and then setting them up to have that home taken away from them. That's what takes place on a daily basis. That's what's taking place throughout America. That's what's taking place when people, as Ms. Avery lifted up, knock on your door, give you a lower value, flip the home, and make it only affordable to the gentrifier coming in. And so we can't have these conversations in isolation. We can't have these conversations in absence of context. And we can't blame Black people for not being able to successfully navigate a white supremacist system. What we should do instead is understand the context in which we op operate within, understand that there are major forces that we're going up against. I mean, it's, it's joking. It's just frankly laughable that you're comparing China, which has frankly got more money than God, and is using it all throughout the planet, including Africa, to colonize this space. And there are Ability to inject themselves in the re residential real estate market and making it seem as like that's comparable to a few brothers coming together who are athletes on the Lakers. It's not the same. We have multi-trillion dollar companies who are buying homes. And yes, it's now so bad, it's affecting middle-class white people. Hold that thought, hold that thought on the white people. We're going to take a quick break, Damien, and come right back on Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. Don't go anywhere, y'all. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack, and the business of being black today is gentrification. Mufasa, you said the hood is the hood for a reason. Why continue the behaviors of the hood? Explain that, please. Right. Well, earlier we had mentioned that um, our, our communities, they have the high crime. They have the property values being uh, brought down. So people want to stick to these areas. And typically when I talk to people, they like, a lot of their memories in their neighborhoods, they're negative memories. So my thing is, if gentrification comes along, you have to move from that community to a new, com new community. If you have all this negativity that's happening, why not move somewhere else and start new? I don't understand what, what what's the issue with that. Why do we have to stick to these cultures? Uh, we, we mentioned Harlem before, right? Harlem is uh, some city named by some people that came here and did a bunch of things wrong, right? But what made Harlem Harlem was the people in Harlem. So you can move Harlem and do the same thing somewhere else. You could do the same thing in another place. Let's get rid of the, the negativity that we're gonna leave behind in the hood. It takes money to move. Something new. It, it takes well, money. Well, we to make move. money though. All of us make money. It's just what do you want to do with your money? I'll give you an example. You have to be ableist to move. I mean, you miss. You I want Mufasa to finish that thought, Damien. Hold on. Yeah, well, I was going to actually, Damien, speak, but I was going to say that what Damien is saying in terms of getting people together uh, to, uh, to form entities and buy homes, this is what we need to do. But what I want Damien, well, he could say what he wants, but I'm like, I know people aren't excited to hear, as excited to hear about that as they are to watch basketball wise, spend their money on sports, spend their money on other things. Ooh. It comes down to yeah. where do you put your money and attention? Michael, I see you agreeing here, attention? Michael. I, I see mean, Michael you know, agreeing. The thing is that I've been I've been saying this for years and I was saying, you know, and I, I hear Damien, I hear Mufasa and I, I totally agree with Mufasa because we, our priorities, as, as, as we realize, been mixed up. Our priorities have been all over the place. And that, that is a, a big issue in our community. We're talking about our community. Let's talk about ourselves, right? Yeah, so, well, I agree yeah, with there that. Are, there, okay. are, there are definitely, of course, systems in place, but we're not also holding ourselves accountable here. And at the end of the day, until we start to learn, and, and you know who makes it worse? With What I get tired of, I get tired of these people that have that huge platform, followers, influencers, celebrities going on radios, going on TV and talking about the issues when you can take four of them and they can solve out just four of their incomes alone with a straight up plan or strategy. 
we we're we're looking at music videos, we're twerking all over the place, we're putting up we're putting so much energy into sex, into so many things as a culture, and celebrities in talking about like uh you know, like we can't hold well now, Michael. Ain't nothing ever wrong with a little twerk, okay? Twerking ain't never stopped nobody from owning a home, Michael. Some people have bought homes through the twerkation. They have a lot of and I'm not even gonna joke. There's a lot of actually people who twerk for a living in Atlanta that are now homeowners. So let's speak. So, oh, I'm speaking facts. Yeah, I'm speaking facts. Yeah, oh, listen, about um, but, 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 about Damien, you said that um, that Mufasa and Michael are wrong for blaming black people for these conditions that we live in uh, systemically. But is it blaming black people or is it holding black people accountable? No, it's blaming black people. Let's be clear. If, uh, if black people did everything that Mufasa and Michael suggested, we might make a 0.1% dent in the housing affordability crisis. Let's be clear about what takes place in our country. And in, to the question of solutions, we could literally spend this entire program just listing solutions without getting into into details at the end of the day if there is a if there is a system that does not provide home loans to black people if there is a system that puts black tenants at risk of having less of more of their income go toward housing costs than the than the, the building is valued at if there's a system that intends to push them out it will push them out and this is not exclusive to black people in america this happened to all people of color across the globe who live in a in a, in a hyper commodified that's another big word if you forgive me a commodified world where housing is not a human right and so let's be clear about what we are doing and and, and i'm very clear that we are trying to be about the solution at the same time we're critiquing the problem I'm the founder of a, a community land trust known as Liberty Community Land Trust, libertyecosystem.org, and was had the opportunity of leading the Downtown Crenshaw Rising Project. This was an effort by mostly Black people coming together to collectively pool our resources to own a 40-acre site that is the Crenshaw Mall so that we could imagine that it be a new space, not for the erasure of Black LA, which the gentrifiers wanted to do, but for the creation of Black excellence, to have mixed income, primarily affordable housing on the site, having the business space to incubate and build economic opportunity. We submitted an offer for the mall that was fully financed and was higher than a white gentrifier with better terms we had, better terms, higher, and we were rejected. And we were rejected simply because those who were, who were controlling the sale, Deutsche Bank, yes, that Deutsche Bank, Donald Trump's Deutsche Bank, did not want to see this prime real estate in the middle of a Black community be put into the hands of a Black collective. So it tells you that even when you have the money, even when you have the technical expertise, even when you have the support of the community, those who make these major decisions, which are disproportionately white, 99% of the people who control financial decisions on the planet for major institutions are not women and not black. This is the world in which we operate within. And so, yes, we should, and we are about taking single family homes off the market and buying as many I'm, commercial properties. I'm glad you brought that up, Damien, because a lot of people outside of Los Angeles don't know that there were a, a, a coalition of black people who tried to buy the Crenshaw Mall and had all those great terms, had a higher uh, uh, offer than who the mall was essentially sold to. That's a clear example of how the banks uh, could care less about our money, even when we have it, Miss Avery, right? Right, right. Because it all boils down to greed, money, control. And someone was it, who was it, Michael, you were saying how we're forced out. Uh, but it, it, it's just not an even playing game playing game because when I, I mentioned earlier when the Vietnam people Vietnamese people came over in the 70s n next thing you knew they had they had businesses they had to have money to set up those businesses we have people in the community of decades who couldn't get a loan but they yeah, we have to even to. talk about the veterans who weren't uh, given GI bills Black yeah. So the inequities. Now, to me, it just seems to me if gentrification is here, okay, it's here, why not allow people the option 
of being able to keep their homes. They're, they talk about reverse mortgages and all of that. Okay, how about money coming from the bank to fix up your home? And then when it's time to sell, or if, you, if I should die or whatever, uh, if my family wants to, to pay off what the bank gave me to maintain, then let, get, let that be an option. But not let it be my just having force to be, to lose reverse mortgages and reverse mortgages are an excellent example. Why do dangerous? People, why do people take out reverse mortgages? Yeah, because, because they can't, they can't afford to make the payments. Exactly, they can't. But afford if they the made payments. those loans fair, right? Well, this is and, this is the and not for greed. This is my point, Miss Avery, that those reverse mortgages exist because. And, and while it's different in California, in many parts of the country, property taxes increase with gentrification. And so homeowners, longtime homeowners, can't even afford to pay the property tax bill. Detroit is notorious for this. The reverse mortgages exist because low-income home, low-income homeowners, people who have historically been denied an opportunity to make money in the white economy, don't have enough savings to maintain their own property. If they were, if these conditions did not exist, and they do not exist to the same level in white communities because of that GI Bill, because of economic opportunity that's provided to not black people, specifically white people, then there would not even be a market for reverse mortgages in a black community. But it does exist because we are operating in this broader context. So should we be about creating solutions? Absolutely. Every day I work on an affordable housing project that is at the former Total Experience, a, a legendary uh, site that burned down that will arise anew under community ownership with affordable property. Every day I work about finding single family homes so that we can reduce that price down to a level that can be affordable to those who are of the traditional. Hold that thought, Damien, as Michael talks about uh, solutions and you bring up some solutions. Mufasa, I want to know, should cities block off and invest in areas to enrich black businesses and black culture so that we can create our own versions of Chinatown, Little Italy, uh, Little Ethiopia? Yeah, I think we should have uh, things like that. Like in my in my city, uh, San Diego, there was recently a black cultural district um, given in an area that black people, you know, the black area of, of our city. And I think we should have things like that. Um, and the people who are willing to uh, to participate in that should come forward and bring, you know, bring their ideas forward and participate. But I don't think the answer is always that we should bend down for black people every time. And because we think they're so poor and downtrodden that they can't think their way through some of these issues, you know, uh, you have to plan better. Right. Um, in in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, they literally dropped bombs and burned this place down. Nobody's putting a gun to your head and forcing you to sign that reverse mortgage. You can sell that house and look for another place to start with the money you have from the house that you own and do it a better way. I don't Tell know why you brought Tulsa up into this conversation. That because there's a difference. The whole point. <laughs> no, but don't know. You're working against yourself here, Mufasa. No, we'll yeah, no. And we'll come right it's, back. It's, okay, right. okay. I'll, 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 I'll tell, tell you how it's my point. <laughs> I just the business of being black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack on Foxhole and the business of being black today is a heated yet very needed conversation <laughs> on gentrification. So how about we get into a lightning round right about now? Ooh, there it is. There it is. Mufasa gentrification. Is it good or bad for black people? I think it's, I think, I think um, it's unfortunate, but it's an opportunity for us to learn lessons from what happened in the past. The difference between Tulsa, Oklahoma and your reverse, mor reverse mortgage going bad is that Tulsa, Oklahoma, those people had no choice. That reverse mortgage, you signed it yourself, right? So if, if our communities are important to us, these are places we wanna stay, we have to adjust our lifestyles. Um, you may not be able to live the same as people on the other side of town if you don't have the income, right? But you want to be the Cosby show and have this nuclear family. Your houses may look different and you may have to stick to that and find ways so that we can methodically come together and own these homes, own these places and stay in them, right? If that's important to you or you have the option to actually move. There are states that are actually cheaper. There are other, other countries that are actually cheaper. You don't have to stick to these places if the price is too high and it's not worth it. You can go and build something somewhere else. Change is a good thing, especially when you grow and learn from the mistakes you made before. Margaret Avery, good or bad gentrification? I think mostly it's bad. It could be good if it was a fair thing, but it's, it's bad because it's really, 
the motivation is greed. It's not to help people to, to improve their, their living situation. It's uh, people want to remain where they are, particularly seniors and people like myself. I don't want to be forced out because I can no longer afford uh, uh, my taxes or whatever it is. If I could, if gentrification would allow loans that were, uh, that would allow people affordable living, I think, okay, that would be wonderful. But we've got these bird dogs that really just prey and look for those particular neighborhoods. It, it affects black people politically because when you move to your move out, people of the same ideology in that community, more people moving out, it lessens the, the strength of that political ideology so that the vote is weakened. And it. It, ske it skews our population. You have only the have and the have nots. And when you have more have nots in a community or in a city, you don't have people investing in, or they don't have any emotional connection. They're just getting by to, to uh, Understood. Move to another place. Let's move and on to so, Michael. Gentrification, good or bad, Michael? Combination of both. I'm for the benefits of gentrification. You can't ride the fence. You can't ride the fence, Michael. <laughs> I, I, listen, listen, I like to use the word urban revitalization. I'm all about urban revitalization, where the community uh, organizing that brings residents and the community to the table often and at the beginning, fighting to keep long-term residents from being displaced, including passing new residential zoning laws, uh, taxing uh, vacant properties and organizing residents uh, to pull uh, their capital in order to buy. I'm for that. Okay, so you don't want to defund the police. You want to reimagine the police. Okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> Damien, is it good or bad, gentrification? Gentrification is the displacement and replacement of low-income people for profit, and that is always bad regardless of where you are. Um, the, the key question, I think, for people is revitalization for who? Uplift for who? If it was okay for black people to just up and pick up, then why are the black people in the South consistently among the worst of situations of any black people around America? We have black meccas in, in enclaves in Harlem and Crenshaw. We should not cede them simply because we operate within a system that says that we could be pushed around or moved wherever. This is an opportunity for us to be real about the impacts of the environment that we live in, where again, trillion dollar entities are putting pressure on us, backed by the government, but also be solutionary, looking for how we can resist those forces and collectively come together. You have and definitely been people, solutionary for us, Damien. So tell us about the Crenshaw Subway Coalition. Well, one, there's the policy element, which is about community education, making sure people understand the context of what's happening. Happening. Then it's a community land trust that we have in the form of Liberty Community Land Trust, where we're collectively coming together so that we can identify and take land off of the speculative market and make them permanently affordable. But we're also looking at tenants and their rights. How do we lift up and make sure that they are stable? Because it's not just good enough for the long-term homeowners to be able to be stable, even though that's critical. We need to have our communities remain accessible to those those who have historically made it great, right? The, it's not good enough that, we're, that we have aging elders. We also have to be able to also have those elders be aided by younger Black people and the people who grew up in this community being able to come back. Thank like, you so much, Damien. I want to get to Mufasa. Tell us about Black Division Productions uh, and uh, editing services that you offer. Oh, yeah. So uh, Black Division Productions, we specialize in event recap, other type of corporate videos. We also can do miscellaneous editing things that you may need for your YouTube channel, Instagram Reels. Uh, you can check out uh, some of our work at Vimeo uh, backslash Black Division, Black T-I Vision, Black Division. Michael, YouTube Refit Media. Yes. Uh, anyone can check out my YouTube channel, Refit Media. It's basically real estate fitness. Uh, and it's all topics, real estate from first time home buyers to uh, investing in properties, using hard money loans. Um, and it just, it's all types of educational tools that people can use and they can take with them. It's also part of my uh, purpose or being a realtor is not just being a realtor, but to also educate and to teach. And we'll be launching uh, 
uh, digital publication in the fall called homeownerinsider.com for buyers and sellers and property investors. We cannot wait. Miss Avery, please. We are all waiting with bated breath to find out how we can see you in some projects or what projects do you have coming up, whether that be in the entertainment industry or community. Well, just completed, uh, let's see, Block Party, what, which was a movie about Juneteenth. That's, it made uh, BET's top 15 movies, which I was one of the executive producers. And I'm kind of moving into producing and hopefully more comedy work as an actor. Um, Na the Nana Project will be out pretty soon, uh, directed by the lovely Robin Givens. That was a, a comedic part that I had. And there's another project that I'm working on now as co-producer. And we hope to have that out, maybe out of the can next year. So you'll be hearing from me. Margaret well, we can't Amy. wait to hear from Sorry. you. And thank you for being on the show, Miss Avery, Margaret Avery. Oh, Mufasa, my thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. Thanks for having me. Michael, I certainly appreciate you being on the show. And Damien, you always bless us with your knowledge on the business of being black. And I have to thank you for that and uh, the Crenshaw Coalition as well. So thank you. That is the business of being black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul, everybody. Have a great day. Until next time, it's a blessing to be in your box. Mm. Bye, y'all. Welcome to Quick Trip. How can I help you? Why don't you ask him? It's my turn to bring snacks for our class bake sale. And? I just told Mama about it five minutes ago. No problem. We've got fresh donuts. Oh, thank you. Next thing he's going to tell me, it's our turn to bring the drinks to soccer practice. <laughs> Steven? It's our turn to bring drinks to soccer practice. We've got Gatorade, Powerade, water, you name it. Thank this nice gentleman for saving your life. Any reason's a good reason for Quick Trip. QT. More than a gas station. New on Curiosity Street. Louis B. Mayer, Jack Warner, William Fox. Hollywood was the city of dreams, but the beginnings were a nightmare. You will never work in this town again! It's Titans, the rise of Hollywood. And Merapi, one of the world's most active volcanoes. Can we better predict its next deadly eruption? A new expedition hunts for life-saving answers on exploring the volcano. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com.